Seconds flat. Give me up. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Joe. Oh, my God. Welcome in, friends. You are listening to Mile 103 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis here with Benjamin in tow. Benji, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I am back in the Sunshine State and missing that South Carolina cool winter weather. It was good to spend some time with you, get some runs in. Got a workout in? Yeah, we did. There's some discussion of your comeback. When is there not? Oh, yeah. It's always a comeback. You're always on the comeback trail. I think this one's going to stick. I'm the comeback kid. You, you really are. Had a, had a good fartlek session to end 2021. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. We're going to get into some half marathon training principles, but before we do that, since it is a new year of running... What are your running goals for 22, Ben? Yeah, so when you proposed this question, Mm. I initially got some anxiety or maybe insecurity about it. (laughs) You know, uh, struggling, you know, always on the comeback with ghosts of the past. How am I going to handle that going forward? So I have two kind of different goals. Uh, The first one is I want to run at least 2,022 miles this year. Okay which comes out to about five and a half miles a day on average. Do you know what you've done in recent years? Oh, I know in college I had to be close to 3,000 in a year. Yeah. But I think this year I was at 1,900. Okay. And so, it, yeah, a little jump then. So that's, that's very doable. Okay. What else? Uh, and then my second one was I want to be able to run a sub 1635K. I mean, it's a long shot from where I was, but it seems like something that's close enough that I can probably hit it in the first few months of the year. And I think it's a good benchmark to keep me motivated. I'm going to hit that and feel confident and set a new goal. Yeah. So two pieces. One, as a man who just worked out with you in a session a few days ago, I think you are close to that number and I think you can achieve it very soon. And two, I like what you're doing there because you realize that you've, you've gone significantly faster in the past, but be aware of where you are now. Set an attainable goal. Start pushing yourself in the right direction. And it's not that far off from what you once were and what you can be. So I like it. Those are good goals, bud. I'm uh, excited because I believe 2022 is, I think the Chinese Zodiac lists it as the year of Benji. Oh, does it? Yes. Yeah. I can, I can feel it coming here, big boy. <laughs> so what are your goals for the year 2022? Now that you mentioned mileage, I'm kind of thinking about that, but I'm really not going to set a mileage goal. I had a pretty good year. I missed really about a month of running 
Wow. A lot of that from sickness. And in 11 months, I think I ran about 3,800 miles. So <laughs> that was pretty strong. I know I was over 4,000 last year. So wasn't quite there, but I did it in less time. Mm. I did it all while feeling strong, improving. So you know, from last year, one of the things that I'm most happy about in 21 is doing something really different at an ultra distance. And also I ran a good 5k at the end of the summer. So happy with both of those. I'm going to have a process oriented goal here. Uh, first, that goes to something that you and I talked about on a run here a few days ago. And that is no chasing squirrels in 2022. Do what is right for the day. Stay focused in just what is needed for that run. I know that can sound like a bit of a limitation on creativity and the fun you can have within any given run, uh, but I don't mean it as like precise mileage every single day that I'm targeting. Just knowing that, okay, this is a recovery day. Here's where the paces should be, or this is a workout session with this much quality work targeted. Let's try to do that. It doesn't mean I need to do a ton more. But also understanding in any of those scenarios, if I get sick or, or get a niggle or whatever else it might be, to, to dial back and to just understand what's right for that moment that I'm in. Because I believe that can then ultimately add up to the bigger stuff. And one of my goals there, I think, goes along with our topic for the day. I'd, I'd really like to put in a good half marathon this year. So this is, this is timely. My number is fairly soft uh, for a half marathon PR. And I'd love to make that one of my big targets, one of my big goals for the year. I'm planning on two target half marathons. We'll talk about those in a little bit where I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So yeah, that's what 2022 has in store. And most significantly, though, after all the runs you and I did last week, our buddy Kyle and I got out together on New Year's morning to start the year. Fun, but hard, challenging hill work and had a couple of the guys with us for a little bit of time. And as we ended the run, we both just said, what a fantastic way to start the year. How excited we are for the year of running. Nothing we would rather be doing. And so getting those opportunities to continue to do this with the people who make it so special remains number one at the top of the list of goals. Don't, don't pass up those opportunities. I think that's a great one for everybody. When you have the chance to run with people that you care about and who make this sport so much fun, get out there and do it. Definitely. Since we are now about eight weeks away from the Swamp Rabbit Greenville Half Marathon, uh, which has really become a huge race in this region and one of the better fields at that distance in this region. We did a preview last year, preview video, uh, which is still up on our YouTube channel. We don't know course specifics yet with the construction that has changed through Unity Park. We know we'll get a very similar course to years past, but slightly different, we expect. We figure it's time to talk half marathon training principles. If you are targeting this race, two months, you're headed into that specific phase, or if you're like me, 
and maybe you have a different half marathon down the road you're looking at, you can get into some of the earlier base and pre-competition phases for the half marathon. Before we dive into those principles, I do want to mention that our friend Ryan at Due South will be competing at the Greenville Half Marathon. Fully caffeinated. That is right. He is training for a big goal at this race. I saw him yesterday, actually, and he is amped for some longer runs and more volume than he's done in the past in this coming block. So he's fired up. And as a reminder, you can use the promo code SFPOD, S-F-P-O-D, at checkout at DoSouthCoffee.com for a 15% discount. Or go in, as Benji, I know you did in your time in Greenville while you were back visiting family, go in and see our friends at their Hampton Station location. And one more piece of the Due South puzzle, big news, our man Benjamin, not you, other Benjamin, the head roaster, just welcomed a newborn into the family. So congrats to Benjamin, Due South Coffee useful and good. Check them out at Do South Coffee. We're so excited to have them on board and to get to know and run with those great people. It's the year of Benjamin. It is the year of Benjamin. That is correct. Okay. So let's start with some half marathon stuff, Benny. I'm going to go off the top with one important topic that factors in both to your training and what you do on race day. And that is the significance of knowing your course. If it is the Swamp Rabbit, realize that you are going to get some rollers early, then a slight downhill and flat course later on. It's going to be necessary to do some hill work, to work a little bit of downhill. That eccentric loading, as we've talked about on downhills, which puts a lot of impact Uh, especially on the quads. But those rollers early, the first three to four miles can be deceptive and some up and down work could be really helpful there. My races I have targeted later in the year are both flatter courses. Uh, Right now I'm looking at June in Duluth, Minnesota for the uh, historic Grandma's Marathon, half marathon. And then I plan to get in the half marathon at Indianapolis that I was supposed to do this past year before I got ill. So uh, flatter courses, maybe a slightly different approach. But Ben, I know you wanted to touch a little bit on some hill considerations, right, for specific to the course that you're training for. So go ahead with that, bud. Yeah, absolutely. So for those, for example, with an eight weeks time, the Swamp Rabbit half, we've mentioned doing combination workouts. I think implementing this sort of structure of blended workout can be very advantageous for those individuals. Getting some hills in and then doing a steadier run following, or perhaps doing a hill circuit, a continuous run where you would run hard up a hill, maybe have a slight portion of jogging rest, and then a steady effort back down. Uh, Very similar to the workout you and I did last week. This keeps the heart rate going. It teaches your body to recover after a hill and then get back on that pace. So this sort of run, uh, similar to a long run, teaches muscle fiber recruitment. And so basically what that means is you're going to be able to recover a little bit quicker or use different muscles throughout a race. 
so it's not as strenuous on specific zones in your body. Uh, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be able to run a specific pace for a more extended time because of the adaptation of recruiting those muscle fibers. I like the reference to the workout you and I did. And now I'm thinking back, we did, we did two sessions together, right? So uh, we did put plenty of quality work in while you were here. The, the circuit that we used with that 30-second surge uphill, we pushed decently hard, and then the recovery staying, rather than just really easy, moving it to steady, allows some aerobic growth in addition to the power of the hill. So as you said, that blended approach. I went out for a fairly long yesterday hill fartlek session where we just surged the uphills. And as a reminder here, don't leave your race in the training. We worked it pretty hard yesterday, and I definitely felt pooped by the end. That's not a session that I want to put maybe in the, like, say, five days before the race. Remember where you are in your cycle. This is eight weeks out. That makes a whole lot of sense. And you can alternate that hill work, like you said, Ben, to work different muscle groups, recruit different muscle fibers that you're going to need if you go to a hillier rolling type course. And then you can sprinkle in the other stuff we're going to talk about to balance that out. So both blending within a workout and blending across a training cycle are really valuable tools in your half marathon buildup. The question I get the most from a novice half marathon runner, and that is the person who really just wants to finish the distance because we have a lot of those folks who listen and it's an admirable goal, right? As a lot of people use it also in particular as the stepping stone toward a marathon. And you've been running a 5K and a 10K and that half marathon is a big next step. And so the question then becomes, how long do my long runs need to be? And so first I would point out that, remember a big focus of the long run is not just the aerobic growth that you get, but the musculoskeletal resilience that comes with doing long runs over and again, and also just the ability in tandem with that to develop comfort with all that impact of ballistic loading for an extended period of time on your feet. And so if you are trying to finish the race, I always tell people, if you can get to 10, 11, 12 miles in practice, you're going to be okay on race day. I like to, to flip that and also think about it this way. Long runs to two hours normally are plenty in half marathon training. If you ran 10 to 12 minute mile pace as someone who just wants to complete a half marathon, start working the math on that, getting to two hours at 10 minute to 12 minute pace is going to range you from 10 to 12 miles and is probably enough distance to be able to cover the distance comfortably on race day. We, we've discussed this stuff before. Remember, there's the added variables of you're going to be tapered, the nutrition is right, there's excitement and adrenaline. It's different than just trying to do 12 miles in practice. Now, if you are looking to excel at this distance, I think the long run distance philosophy shifts and it looks to me a lot more like it does for 10K training than marathon training. Meaning this, 
if you want to cover the distance, 10, 11, 12 miles will do the trick. In marathon training, that's how we approach it. We don't go run 26 or more miles consistently in marathon training. Uh, some of us may do it once or twice, you know, occasionally, but it's not, it's not really part of most marathon training programs. But in every 10K program that's out there, your long run is much farther than 10K. And there's a, a distance command that comes with that. You were racing up to that distance in college, Ben. How long were your long runs? Uh, so we actually went by miles rather than minutes. Sure, uh, that's fine. But we would get up to 16 mm -hmm. uh, while training for a 10K, um, which for us would have been hour 45, hour 50, maybe quicker if we had something mixed in, but approaching that two hours. Yeah, and you see the overlap again because I think 16 to 18 miles for someone who's advanced, like a collegiate runner as you were, uh, those numbers probably come close to, to a two-hour mark, like you mentioned. We've talked about Frank Shorter saying a long run is two hours or 20 miles, whichever comes first. He was moving really quick. Uh, he's one of the best of the best. And so 20 and two hours is probably a real push for most of us. And frankly, even if you can do it, might be too much for you if you're not at shorter level to actually do in training. But I put 18 at the high end. I think that's about as long as you see most of the best collegiate programs going in there, cross-country, 10K training. 18 is appropriate for attacking the 13.1 mile distance in racing. And so if you are looking to excel, you want that command performance, 16 to 18 miles, and probably occasionally with some level of quality peppered into it, makes sense for the long run distance. Absolutely. And to further support what you just said, I looked at a couple different coaches and then an athlete I thought could show us an interesting perspective on this. Um, so legendary coach Jack Daniels, basically the father of American distance coaching. Most coaches implement some of his methods mixed with Lydiard. He suggests doing a long run up to 120 minutes or two hours for his half marathoners. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Steve Magnus, the former Oregon Project assistant coach and coach at the University of Houston, has his 10K runners running up to two hours. Mm -hmm. So this fall, there was an athlete, Connor Mance, who won the NCAA Cross Country Championships in the 10K. And then I believe it was two weeks later. Is that correct? That's correct for the half he marathon. Won the US half marathon championships. So I wanted to look at his training as well. And it looks like he built up to an 18 mile long run during his season. But it also furthers that point where half marathon and 10K training at that level doesn't look a whole lot different. Mm -hmm. There are some specific workouts that may look different but the bones of the structure is very similar. So I think some of our listeners, regardless of skill level, if you've completed a 10K, the half marathon should not be an alarming distance for you. Yeah, that's a great point, Ben. A couple great points in there. We'll come back to one of the last things uh, we'll touch on is half marathon specific work, work at that kind of race pace or goal race pace and seeing those examples of 
people who have done this event well or coached this event well. And it's important to remember the half marathon has not been popular for very long. This is the most recent of the road race distances to gain popularity. A generation ago is when we first saw people try to attack the half marathon distance. Excuse me. If we were to go back and look at logs from the best of the best from the 70s and 80s, you would see a lot of races at distances we might not do as much now, 15, 20, 25K, but you would not see the half marathon. So we are still learning and implementing the training variables here. But you are correct. I, I do agree that there are a lot of similarities with running a 10K on the road. I think half marathon training looks more like that than it does like marathon training, but it also can serve as a nice bridge between the two. Let's look at it then, its position as a physiological function, because the best athletes in the world right now are running this right at the traditional definition of their threshold pace, a concept we've discussed in great detail. You mentioned uh, Dr. Jack Daniels, so I'll use his definition in his programs, in his running formula book, what he's used with his athletes, they consider threshold pace to be the pace which you can, at which you can race for one hour. Well, the best half marathoners in the world, men and now women even getting close to it, are running the half marathon around one hour or some of the best men even slightly faster. Uh, you mentioned Connor Mance. He ran it in under 61 minutes to win the U.S. half championships and I suspect could run it faster when you consider that he was coming back so quickly off a grueling NCAA 10K cross-country championship. So the best in the world, half marathon pace in training is really their threshold work. Good runners run this just a bit slower than that pace, where half marathon is just a bit slower than their threshold pace. So Ben, me and you, we might use 15K pace, for example, as pretty close to threshold. We're going to run that under an hour, but it's going to be relatively close. And I think rather than saying the pace you can run for an hour, knowing that that's not something most of us connect with well, but having specific race distances to connect it, you're able to say, okay, threshold is slightly faster than my half marathon pace. Or maybe for you, your 10K pace is closer to your threshold. Now, if you are running a 10K pace, uh, a race, excuse me, in the 50, 60 minutes range, then that's the number. And so the half marathon is then even just a little bit less fast for you. Uh, so understand where that fits on, on a physiological spectrum. Also know this ties us back to some marathon discussion we've done before. This is in part why we believe that a half marathon pace effort in your training has greater physiological benefits than a marathon pace effort. That marathon pace effort starts getting you into a bit of a gray zone, a bit of a no man's land. It's really good to specifically prepare you for a marathon, but it might not have as much value in carrying over to getting better at other events. You know, half marathon work can still help you get better for a 5K or 10K or 15K or a marathon. You want to add to that point, Ben? Yes, absolutely. So 
a coach who you love to read about, uh, Renata Canova. Yes. The Italian coach to many Kenyan world record holders and athletes did a study where he observed that a lot of these elite Kenyan athletes were able to run at a steady state for the middle Ks of a five or 10K race. Mm-hmm. And this goes against like conventional wisdom where their blood lactate levels would increase through the race. So essentially the effort's getting harder, but because of the work they do at this essentially half marathon pace, they're able to run at a steadier state pace, which means they're not getting as tired as much, which gives them the ability to kick the way they do at the end of a race. They've raised this blood lactate threshold ceiling so high that they can stay steady in the middle and then just ramp it up at the end. Uh, so the half marathon, putting it in normal terms, it, running that pace makes you strong. Your body realizes the minimum output force required to run at a pace. It can do the minimum work required. You're not necessarily getting a lot of fatigue like you would assume you would in the middle of a race, resulting in a stronger finish. Yeah, two points to add to support that. Thanks, Ben. That's really good. One is from a similar approach. What we see from a lot of the information that's out there about how the Engelbertson brothers are training right now and so much of their interval stuff is done in this range, or if it's done slightly faster, it's for very short intervals. It's, it's broken into very short chunks so that those blood lactate readings are similar to what they would be at half marathon work. If it's done slightly slower, they extend them for longer amounts of time. So they're attacking it in a similar way from different perspectives. At a different end of the spectrum, the critical speed work from like uh, Professor Andy Jones with the two-hour Breaking Two project uh, from Nike, those folks at the other end who are working faster than threshold work, they've done plenty of research that also suggests that that work can help elevate a mid-race steady state as well. And so the two can complement one another. Because what they're finding from their research is we all have this critical state that we pass in a race. And if we go over it too far, we just crater. We can only hang on for so long. But the higher we raise that, we find our ability to run at faster paces, but also our ability to go just beyond that pace and hang on for a little longer before we crater. And so we're seeing these support systems from both ends, from, as you said, to put it simply, strength from a slower end and speed from a higher end. Again, that critical pace work is not necessarily all out, but it's faster work, which then leads us to what paces we want to use to train half marathoners that are not just half marathon pace. There's a place for that. We'll get to it. But I believe in the value that we see time and again from the bang for your buck at training one pace faster than race pace. And it's true across a lot of distances, but it seems to be really evident in half marathon. Now, what one pace faster is, it might be 15K. Maybe you're just not familiar and comfortable there. So you could use 10K pace. And so 10K, 15K pace workouts are incredibly valuable to becoming a better half marathoner. 
we love three or four or five minute reps at these paces in particular three there is a little bit of magic to three in that mentally it's long enough to know you worked but you can hold on and not burn out and blow up and four and five are really nice because you're working just that bit harder but you have to be ready for them they can be a touch more challenging but when you're ready for them it even adds more confidence maybe you're doing five, six, seven by three minutes at 10K pace with a minute recovery, uh, working up to six by four minutes or five by five minutes. I extend the recoveries with those as well. Four minute reps at these paces will often use 90 seconds of recovery. Five minute reps at these paces will often use two minutes of recovery. And it can be a progression within the set. That's a, a powerful tool as well. Say you're doing six by four minutes with 90 seconds recovery. Maybe you start around half marathon pace and work down towards 10K pace. And so there is the aerobic and there is the metabolic function that's happening there. And that is then put in tandem with the psychological impact of knowing that I finished stronger. And that's incredibly valuable on race day as well. You could also wrap 10K and 15K work into alternating sessions, continuous efforts, 800 meters at 10K pace, 800 meters slower than half marathon, but still strong. Maybe it's like marathon pace going back and forth, extending the distances you do those so that maybe the faster distance or excuse me, the faster pace gets a longer distance over time or alternately speeding up what the slower distance becomes so that Half marathon almost becomes a recovery to you, becomes easier. Those are some really valuable ways that you can work 10K and 15K pace into your training. Okay, so if you're eight weeks out from the Swamp Rabbit Marathon, or excuse me, from the Swamp Rabbit Half in Greenville, there is still a place for this work. It doesn't have to be all half marathon specific. In fact, it probably shouldn't be, but it might be time to start touching on it. But, but don't abandon this stuff. Continue to get better. You have time to improve. But you also have time to improve in another space. And that is what I'll call like a, a tempo support pace. I really like in half marathon training, as well as in marathon training, to train between half marathon and marathon pace. And this is especially nice if you're building toward a marathon later, I know a lot of us do this where the half marathon is a stepping stone in a larger training block toward marathoning. One of the best examples, one of my favorite examples comes from the great Japanese distance runners. Benji, what do we know in general about Japanese running as compared to the rest of the world? What do they like to do a lot of? Running. <laughs> that's a great answer yes it wasn't meant to be a trick question volume they love oh if i was right yes oh. they, they they love volume they love mileage maybe to a fault they might be overtrained and burnt out they are very successful they do love the road they love the ekaden they love the marathon They've churned out in recent years more high-level marathoners than Americans have. They haven't had near the success at shorter distances. That emphasis and that love of mileage shows throughout their training. And one thing that they found 
especially when we take a step back a generation, look into the 80s, like Toshihiko Seiko, who was uh, a fantastic competitor at major marathons around the world and a Boston Marathon champion. His coach employed this work that was just fractionally slower than half marathon pace and a few seconds faster than marathon pace for their tempo running. They would go continuous up to as much as like 65 or 70 minutes of doing this. That's really, really substantial volume and is probably doable for them only because of how much volume overall they do. It's a, it's a small percentage. They're used to running huge distances. It's a, a lot of work when you consider how fast those guys were. They're running almost a half marathon distance, just slightly slower than a half marathon. That feels like a bit much. I, we can't deny that they were very successful with it, but in applying it to, to us, both us as runners at our level, our listeners' level, the athletes we work with, and just more modern understanding of, of coaching and science, chunking this and maybe capping it can be useful. For example, I had a group of the guys that I work with leading up to their half marathon this fall. This was uh, maybe a month, uh, probably more like six weeks out. They did a session of three by three miles in this pace zone where they ended up being probably about five to 10 seconds slower than half marathon pace per mile, three by three miles with three minutes recovery, easy jogging in between the sets. And so that got to nine miles, or in their case, if you added that all up, it was probably like a little under 50 minutes uh, and we're going to go back to that in a minute, Ben, and talk about just like capping the amount of work you do at all of these distances. That type of running then is great to carry over if you're doing a marathon later on, because this five to 10 seconds faster than marathon goal pace also becomes an effective economy effort for marathoning, adds to your confidence, makes marathon pace feel that much easier. And while we've talked about training kind of in this range of 10K to marathon pace at different times, I think it's also important to touch on quicker than that at times as well. Um, looking at 5K, 3K pace, maybe for some runners, even down to that mile pace, if for nothing more, you're teaching your body to run efficient at these higher speeds. And in return, like we were talking about, or you just said, uh, running that slightly slower than half marathon pace increases the ability to run marathon pace easier. You're only going to be able to run as fast as your pure speed allows you to. So we don't want to neglect that. And before you jump into the percentage of work to total volume, this is going to be a very small percentage of your total volume in a training block, maybe not even a whole percent of what you do, but it does need to be touched on. There is always a place for speed. You're exactly right, Ben. Glad you brought it up. As you said, it's limited, but I mentioned in our last episode, I particularly like it early in any cycle, you know, strides, hill sprints, but yes, maybe there's some work that's, that's done pretty fast. What you had one of our runners doing a, a fartlek 
this week who, you know, he'll race some 5Ks, but he's really more of a 10K half marathon guy. And it's just getting back started, you know, into some real meaty workouts. And he was doing a fartlek of 30 seconds at 3K effort, 30 seconds easy, going back and forth between the two, working on some efficiency at that quicker pace. And as you said, if your body can become more efficient moving fast, that trickles down, or I guess I should say trickles up in distance. And then you simultaneously want to become efficient at running at the specific pace that you're going to race at. You're working on both those skills throughout your training. To your point you made about then me discussing the times you're going to spend at these different efforts in terms of a volume cap within a workout session. 10K work for virtually everyone, regardless of, of pace that you're running that race, you work up to about 25 minutes of that. I don't know that you need to do much more of it. You start to hit a big time diminishing return in 10K pace work beyond that. And starting out lower, and for a lot of people doing less, 15, then to 20-ish minutes. 20-ish minutes is probably close to a sweet spot, especially if you start working a little bit faster and get more toward like 8K work. That's plenty of time when you get around 20 minutes, 25-ish minutes at 10K. Listen, there are plenty of great runners doing more, or there are plenty of great runners doing slightly less. We're just hoping to give you a general framework to work from that's really safe. For that stuff that's slower than half marathon pace, an hour feels like enough. You can do up to that, but you probably could do less effectively. We know that people run marathon pace for longer than that, and that's then a separate discussion, but that zone that sits just between half marathon and marathon pace, if broken into an hour of work, you know, maybe it's four by 15 minutes or some three by 20, that to me is about the maximum that I'm going to do any of that kind of work in half marathon preparation. Now, specific half marathon pace work, I like to use about 40 minutes broken into chunks or about eight miles broken into chunks as the maximum that we'll assign for any runner. So Ben, let's, let's pause there and think about what some of the constitutions might look like of training at your goal race pace, which we're doing to improve the specific economy for this race distance. If you're training for a half marathon eight weeks out, it's time to start working on this stuff. But you could be using this again year round because as you stated very well earlier, it can help you at other racing distances also. It can raise that steady state at, at every distance. So any favorite compositions you have of workouts that include working at half marathon pace? So one of my favorite ways of implementing half marathon pace was, as we call, adding stuff to a long run mm -hmm. on non-race weeks. A few of my teammates and I would often enjoy doing our long runs. We would have essentially a three-mile warm-up. Then we would do two miles at half marathon pace, a half mile easy, and we would repeat this four to five times, or excuse me, three to four times, uh, and then have a slight cool down. We're hitting that threshold pace uh, by doing this, but it's not too taxing or too much of a chunk all at once. 
that it takes away from our ability to complete a uh, distance or we're holding it for so long that we break down. I've also done workouts where it's broken up into five times eight minutes at this pace. Uh, that's actually one workout you wrote for me once. And that was just a controlled way of getting steady state work in rather than having it all pressed together. And again, either having the opportunity to fail or the opportunity to hijack this run because I feel good. And I think, oh, I can close out this effort and get all this confidence. Mm. Yeah. So those are two ways I've enjoyed in the past implementing half marathon pace. The long run with stuff, as you referenced, uh, which I like that uh, when you're injecting some quality into your long run, uh, which I believe is occasionally very valuable. We've talked about it here a lot. And maybe I should just categorize some long run buckets quickly for everyone. There is, in, in our system, there, there is that easy long run. It has its place. There is uh, what I will often go to a more steady long run. I think that's the one that I use the most. When I say steady here, I'm not even at marathon pace. I'm, I'm slower than that. I'm 30, 40, 50 seconds per mile slower than that. But it's not just easy time on your feet. And then there's another bucket of the long runs with stuff and, and those can be progressive. They can take a lot of forms. What you referenced were some two mile chunks and, and then half mile, maybe you were just jogging easy or you could be floating a little steadier in between. That's really nice. Uh, what I would consider advanced work for most folks. I don't think you went overboard. As you said, it's not too taxing with the amount of distance. But for a lot of us, that's something you have to work up to. You might want to start that with my standard place to start on these uh, paces at half marathon pace work is five minute reps or mile reps. Those tend to be comfortable places to start for most people as they then try to extend. A lot of this is about extension of your ability to run this pace. You mentioned the eight minute reps. Love that four or five times, eight minutes on half marathon effort, two minutes off is pretty safe. We've used, uh, I, I don't want to call it a rule because it, it's not one. <laughs> it, it's just a guidance that we have followed, found it's a good compass for recovery versus effort here is a five to one ratio in terms of minutes. For every five minutes done at half marathon pace, or half marathon effort, depending on how you're constituting this and where you are in your training. If it's early on, you might be much more likely to just say effort. As you get close and you're really dialing it in, you're six weeks out from your target, you might want to start working the specific number that you have in mind more. But five minutes at that for every one minute easy in recovery, that's, that's a safe spot to be. And you can get plenty of productive work there. Or you may do a minute or a little more for every mile. The eight minutes on, two minutes off workout is great because what you just did there is if you go to five of those, that again corresponds to a cap that I like to use, which is 40 minutes of half marathon effort. And you can structure that a whole bunch of different ways. One that I love that I think is challenging, but very effective and, and still manageable is to use two minutes on, one minute off, and build it up to where you get to eventually an hour in this session. Warm up and cool down on either end. 
but it's 20 by two on one off. Now that is below our five to one ratio. So once we get there, if we can manage it, again, this is advanced. This is advanced. So if it needs for you to be 10 by two on one off as your maximum, then so be it. Start there. But what you can do is extend the number or you could make that easy in between a little more steady. And since we're at a two to one ratio now rather than five to one, it's a lot more manageable to try to go steady in between and get that aerobic boost from that rather than just running easy in between. Up to 20 by two on, one off. That's a realistic workout that people can start implementing, starting at say maybe eight reps of it and trying to add a few more. And you know what else? It's really good in a marathon training program too. You know, I said that maybe an advanced runner, you're going to go up to eight miles. You will see sometimes elites, sometimes overzealous sub-elites going to eight continuous miles at half marathon pace. That's really hard. Yes, you should be able to do it if you can run a half marathon at a certain pace. But is it wise? Is it the best use of your day, of your training time? I don't know that for most of us who are mortal runners, that it's the most efficient use of training. We would probably be better off chunking that or switching to a different stimulus. Like this could be the time now where we blend and put some hills in afterward. Or we do hills before, let's say you got four by a hill, 30 seconds. And then you go out and do your four by five minutes at half marathon pace. And then you come back and do four by a hill, 30 seconds again. And those hills are at a harder effort and we're recruiting different muscles. There's a whole portfolio of options for you, I guess, of half marathon specific work. Again, it's great for training at different distances, but also it allows your specific economy for your goal race pace and a half marathon to improve. And that's just about your efficiency. How much oxygen, how much energy am I using? How hard am I working to move my body through space at this specific pace? Ben, what else would you like to add? It could be half marathon specific or just other tools we might want to have in our tool belt to be best prepared to race a half marathon. Absolutely. So I actually made a little list and called extra things. And these are just different actions or skills that you can add into your training plan to help ensure maybe some health or success at the half marathon distance. Beautiful. Um, so we already briefly, thoroughly uh, touched on hill work. Also strength work, uh, especially for those tackling this distance for the first time. We want to make sure that our stabilizer muscles are firing and working correctly. Anywhere from your hamstrings, calves, glutes, uh, hip flexors, we want to make sure we don't have too many imbalances in our body that when we break down and get tired, we could risk injury by running fatigued in training. That builds well then also off of what was discussed about the distance of your long run, not just being about the aerobic and metabolic effects, but the musculoskeletal stuff Yes, and, and handling that impact. There's a great tie in there 
with the strength work you're discussing in helping you be able to do that, helping you late in this distance to call on those muscles to do what they're supposed to do, not to try to do a function of another muscle group that is now so fatigued that it can no longer act as it is designed to for racing these distances. And just one more piece to that is uh, it may say something about when and how we do our strength work. There is great evidence for much of like the body weight stuff and the mobility stuff to have effect after hard efforts, but the heavy lifts when you are in a state of fatigue are now not quite as valuable. You don't want to do those right after the long run or right after the harder session for the most part. Sure. And then for the final one, I have cadence slash stride length. And I think there's a few things that we've touched on throughout tonight that go hand in hand with this. Um, We talked about running those faster paces. This already tells the brain how to have a quicker cadence. The only way you're running faster is by turning your legs quicker. Uh, But also at the same time, having the ability to run at this higher cadence or quicker speeds is when we're running these more conservative paces, not to say half marathon pace is conservative, but relative to pure speed it is. We don't have to put as much force into the ground. And as a result of that, we don't have to have as long as long of a stride. So we're saving that elastic energy. You talked about the Japanese and their amount of volume, and they're able to do this because they are so incredibly efficient. They have smaller, quicker cadence and stride lengths. And I think this basically energy conservation is what has made them so great. So doing different types of work, such as that higher cadence speed development, and then also the other length of doing this volume, you're going to teach your body to be more efficient. That's a great point because we do know in the long term, like over say a decade of a running career, the evidence suggests the best ways to increase running economy include, and maybe number one prioritized, is just sheer volume of doing the act of running over a super extended period of time because you've practiced it for so long, you become so much more efficient. I'll add to that that a piece that helps that Japanese efficiency is... When we go really long distances, we tend to see increased ground contact time with each stride. And that's where we start to get some of that mechanical breakdown. And their very efficient stride, practiced over and over again, allows them to grow efficiency deep into long races. It's a skill that has a real balance because you can very easily just push it over the edge and think that you're practicing it, but you're taking it too far, putting your body at risk. But being efficient two, two and a half hours into a race is something that they are very good at. But the best way we practice that is first we work on a skill when we're fresh. We have to develop a skill when fresh. And then we can sharpen a skill when we're fatigued. But if we don't have that skill first, we might be setting ourselves up for potential failure or potential injury. Efficiency is developed when fresh. That's worked on. You know, we can work on that by doing strides. 
where am I striking? Am I striking under my center of gravity? Am I displacing under my hips? If you're doing that, what we see is one, it doesn't actually matter quite so much where you're striking on your foot. You might be more in the forefoot, you might be a little bit more toward the back, but as long as you're striking under the center of gravity, you're keeping things rolling pretty efficiently. And it adds up over time and your body becomes more and more resilient. And you can do that efficiently while under the impact of long distances, which is something you need to do for a half marathon. Anything else you wanted to add to that, Ben? Those were the three extra points I had jotted down for tonight. Cool. As I said that, I'm, of course, adding on. I, I loved everything you just mentioned. I'm thinking back to my long run this morning. And it was actually the half marathon distance, mm -hmm. appropriately. Um, but I ran that in between marathon, half marathon pace for that, for the last seven miles. And as I started to get a little tired towards the last two miles or so, the one thought I kept having was make sure my foot lands under me. Don't yeah. reach. And it's crazy because it almost feels like you're slowing down because you're not reaching. But I found myself looking at my watch and I'm speeding up, feeling more relaxed because I'm allowing my momentum and gravity to do some of that work for me. Yeah, the, the analogies we use with athletes as, as we're trying to teach this, uh, we don't try to make big mechanical changes uh, with the people that we work with. Your body works the way it works. There are, but there are some efficiencies that we can improve. And one thing I'll have people imagine is you're on top of a globe running and you got to spin that globe underneath you and stay on it. Or you're on a log in the water. If you've ever seen these guys that are, uh, you know, the log, they're, they're running on it in place and not falling into the water. If you overreach, you're going to fall off. It's like hitting the brakes, even though that stride that lands underneath you may feel, to some people it feels choppy, but in, in effect, it actually just keeps you rolling rather than putting on the brake. Yeah, I forget who I heard this from. But we mentioned how it's almost a, like a falling forward motion running is. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be like Buzz Lightyear when Woody exclaims, or Buzz is like, see, I can fly. And he's essentially attached to the ceiling fan. Yes, yeah. And Woody goes, no, you're falling in style. That's what efficient running is. It's falling in style. Yeah, uh, take your time. Get on, say, YouTube. Watch some videos of the best of the best. And what you will see is that just that very slight forward lean, it hinges from low in the body. It hinges down at the ankle, not at the hips. It's not like we're bent over because that creates its own set of problems. And now you're no longer using your power muscles. When we talk about hill work, like you brought up strength work, like you brought up the long runs that we've discussed Part of the value there is late in a half marathon, what does your form look like? Are you bent over? Well, then you're working against yourself. Are you allowing your body to operate efficiently? And that takes practice. And that takes working these skills that we've gone through here. Ben, that's all I have for this episode. Any last thoughts? I'm just excited to see you run grandmas. Oh, you and me both. I'm hoping that if you go far enough north, you can get some nice summer weather. Got some guys we're going up with. And that race has just awesome history and, and tradition. 
probably the story there starts and ends with the great Dick Beardsley, but so many other, uh, Kellen Taylor ran an incredible top 10 American women's marathon time of all time there a few years ago. There's been some great performances and I know it's a community that loves its race. Point to point up there, which I'm excited about. And that, that's another thing to consider. And we said, know your course. Point to point creates a whole different logistical uh, set of circumstances than a traditional race where you end and finish, <laughs> end and finish, where you start and finish in the same location. Uh, so make sure you have all that stuff planned out. I will try to be on top of that for myself and my guys going up to Duluth this summer. For those of you who are going to take a stab at the Greenville half on the Swamp Rabbit in eight weeks, good luck. Have fun. We'll be out there on the course. I'm sure I'll, I'll be cheering from somewhere for all of you. Look forward to seeing it. And hopefully we helped a little bit here with this episode. And some half marathon training principles you can take to any race across the country at this distance. And before we close out, I do want to give a shout out really quick to one of our former guests on the show. Please. Our guy, Gerald Mock, who is now with the Boston Athletics Association. Uh, he has gone through some injury trouble since he ran his 210 marathon in Chicago. Uh, he is back on the horse. Mm. For those interested, he is now on Strava. Oh, just look him up, Gerald Mock. It looks like he's got five weeks here, about 95 miles a week. Really interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, so might be worth a follow if you're interested. Hey, maybe we get the J-hole back on the show for another episode. <laughs> that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are huge fans of his, so that is great to hear. He, he was so much fun. Had some health issues over the past couple of years, so really cool to see him putting the mileage in again. Wish him nothing but the best. Ben, thank you for another great episode and some great runs with you back in town this weekend. I'm excited to see where the training goes for both of us as we strive for some 2022 goals and hope all of you out there have done the same. Maybe taking some time to sit down and think what's important and meaningful in pushing yourselves towards a successful 2022. Can't wait to see everybody next time on mile 104 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. We'll talk to you then. Bye.